You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. Welcome into the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. Happy Tuesday. I'm Jay Zawoski with Greg Boyson and Mario Tirabasi. Thanks for being with us. We've got a big show for you today. We're going to attempt to get through our mailbag leftovers for Monday, but they might even seep into Wednesday because today at 2.30, we're going to be joined by our buddy, our pal, Chris Peters, of flow hockey he's going to talk about the bear at uh, the, the bears there's a bear there's <laughs> a bears graphic bears. on my screen the blackhawks 2023 <laughs> nhl draft class he was also at the world junior uh, summer showcase where frank nazar sam renzel gavin hayes and oliver moore played so he's got recent eyes on them so a ton to get to with chris but why don't we get right to it We'll get to the mailbag questions. Before we do, smash that like button on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube page as well. Podcast listeners, follow, subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're looking for a way to help us, aside from becoming a diehard, aside from going to our events, aside from buying merch at uh, chgolocker.com, still do all those things, but it's free and it takes 15 seconds to leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and we would really appreciate that. And know this, podcast listeners, a four-star review is virtually a zero-star review. So don't do that. A five-star review is what all podcasts need. So if you enjoy a podcast, even if it's, in, if it's imperfect, I mean, this one's perfect, but others are imperfect, <laughs> still, to show support, leave them a five-star review. All right? You can always ask Chris Peter about the Hershey Bears, your reigning Calder Cup champions. Great That's uniforms. True. Yes. True. Love those uniforms. Yes, the chocolate brown. The brown and white. That's Mount Carmel High School does that too, and they look great. I didn't go there, but good looking uniforms. Eh. I'm not too impressed by brown and white as like. I just think uniform. it's so. It's Hershey, Pennsylvania. You yeah, gotta it's got to be. Colored. Well, sure, sure. And your bears. Yeah. Bears. Bears. And Tay Zanjay loves those colors too. Ah, yes. Chocolate. Great bears. chocolate rain reference. That is. Ah, okay, that's what it is. <laughs> Hershey Bears. I'm slow on the references today. <laughs> there's got to be a Tay Zanjay Roosevelt. There's, if there's oh, not, there yeah, should be soon. Absolutely has. There's, there's got to be a not, chocolate rain Roosevelt. There's, there's not. Be. There's, there's not like a YouTube. You can't get the rights to a Tay Zanjay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they 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 typically buy the rights to things that are actually going to sell. Ah, good point. That's <laughs> <laughs> a fair point. Like, That's it, a good business plan then. <laughs> yes. Okay. Like Star Wars, Marvel. You know, things people actually pay attention to. I didn't to. think nostalgia sold. Yes. Anyway, let's get to the mailbag. Yes. Let's right, rifle through these while we wait for Chris Peters. I can't wait for this interview. By the way. Just yeah. to get even more excited. I've had two nights in a row of hockey dreams. Hockey I'm dreams. ready. Let's go. Any of them involve bagels? No, I had bagel for lunch, okay. though. All right. That's good. <laughs> How about Hagels? Hagels, too. Yeah. 
All right, well, uh, let's get into Mailbag Monday on a Tuesday. Uh, Before I put it on screen, does this one one look new to you guys? That is new, yes. Okay, here we go. Yep, yep. This is from Tom Quinn, our good friend, Tinley Irish Hawk. Uh, He says, when did your passion for hockey start, and how did you get hooked? I.e., you played hockey as a kid, you met a player, et cetera. There's a lot of of ways it started. Uh, Yeah, I mean. Multitude of easiest one for me is my parents were huge hockey fans uh they had season tickets uh early in their marriage before they had kids my dad took my sister and i to games at the chicago stadium in the very like mid 80s i was very young i mean i remember seeing darren pang play for the blackhawks um so yeah it just started my dad and my parents big time hawks fans back in the day you know, the road game, or the home games weren't on TV. Every night the Blackhawks had a home game, my dad put the stereo in the living room on, and we grew up in a three-bedroom apartment. So when you put the living room stereo on, everybody heard it, everybody whether you does. wanted to or not. So <laughs> yeah. uh, it was just from there, I mean, it was part of my upbringing. It was, it was always, it was, hockey was the number one sport growing up in our house, so it just stuck from there. For me, the seed was planted. My dad got tickets to the 1991 All-Star Game in Chicago Stadium with that famous anthem. Mm-hmm. That was like, I don't know if that was my first time at the stadium, I mean, but that'll do it. certainly the most memorable. Yeah. yeah. Um, that doesn't hook you, then you yeah. have no chance. And then over the years, you know, a handful of games, I went to a game with my uncle, uh, at the stadium, and Hawks scored a goal, and I stood up and cheered and sat down, and the way those hinges go, it, like, cut off the tip of my fingernail. And I was just bleeding like crazy. I'm like, we're not leaving, you know? <laughs> it's hockey. You're a hockey fan. Yeah, and Hopefully then I sort of, I kind of, at one point, I just decided that I was going to commit myself to being a diehard Hawks fan. I was sort of, I was at that age where I was sort of looking for an identity, looking for something to differentiate myself. I loved my experiences at the game. So seventh or eighth grade, I'm like, I'm really going to do this. I'm really going to become a diehard Hawks fan and listen every game on the radio, watch every game on TV. I got a Hawks Pro-Line jacket for Christmas. (laughs) Pro-Line was cooler than starter. Here's why. Oh, yeah. Because on the back... It said Hawks in big black and white letters instead of just the logo up here. I know it wasn't as expensive or as fashionable, but I like the pro line better because of the back. Hey, satin, baby. And then when the NHL video games came out, that's, like, really what made me beyond a fan of the Hawks. It helped me learn, like, players around the league. Because back then, early 90s, you're not you're not able to watch every game like ESPN Plus and, and right. really follow the league very well. Yeah, so it was through uh, the NHL video games, like 9094 is like the the iconic game. But I think I 93, 92, like 92, I think 92 is the first one that came out. When yeah, they, I mean 93 was of course you know you can still make Gretzky's head bleed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. And then uh, but 94 was the awesome. only other way you really learned about other teams was like collecting hockey cards or hockey the, cards, yeah. the sticker books, the Panini sticker books. I used to love those too. Yeah. Let's see. What was the first one? First one Mario's, that was like Mario's 91. Under EA Sports 91. Yep. NHL 91. Yeah, probably. Mario's like, I'm a kid. Every game was on TV. It was just called NHL Hockey. I didn't have these problems. (laughs) NHL Hockey. Because if you remember the the first few NBA ones. They probably probably didn't think, oh, this will be a yearly thing. Right. Yeah. 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 Because remember the first 
the NBA franchise from EA Sports. The first couple of ones was like Bulls versus Lakers. Yeah, you Bulls versus the only yeah. Blazers. Yeah, and then it's they only expanded. Only teams people yeah. cared to play with. Yeah. Remember Jordan versus Bird? That game was yeah. awesome. One on one. That was on the Nintendo. Uh, it, play. it started as Dr. J versus. I Bird. remember that. Yeah. 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 Apple Two E. Jordan versus Bird. Yeah. My dad worked for IBM, so I was not not allowed to have an Apple until I moved out. We skipped. Yeah, I was. I was. Very much uh, influenced by the Mighty Ducks uh, when when that movie came out in the early '90s, uh, influenced me to buy rollerblades and you know a street hockey stick and everything. And then it just kind of evolved from there. Uh, wanted to play ice hockey. Started playing when I was when I was really young, uh, not as young as the kids I was playing with. So I was way behind them. Uh, so that uh, that dream started and, and stopped very quickly. But uh, yes. Kept playing with it. Um, became a Hawks fan in the late 90s because I was like, you know, I was in Kenosha. It was right on the border of Wisconsin, Illinois. Got WGN radio and, and all that. So the, the crossover was there. I was like, well, they're the closest team to me. So that's what I what I went with. And then um, and then as I was kind of getting into that, the video games played a, a big factor in it, too, playing, uh, any, you know, the NHL games growing up. And then uh, I have an older cousin who played hockey at, uh, at Notre Dame. He was drafted by the Rangers, played in the AHL. So seeing him play in person amplified it even more. And then from there it was, you know, going to uh, Blackhawks games, going to Milwaukee Admirals games, you know, play, playing so on and so forth. And then by the time I was 14, or no, by the time I was like 17, 16, 17, that's when – Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane arrived, and uh, it's it's been it's been what it is since then. Yep. So, all right, Lawrence, you got an answer? Oh, you want you want my opinion? Sure. Oh, well, I think I've told the story before. How uh, back in the day, my uh, first ever experience at the stadium was I got to sit front row in the corner, and uh, it was against Lanny McDonald and the Flames, and his, seeing his big giant mustache coming <laughs> at me uh, was pretty amazing, and then. Uh, this, of course, the, the the stanchions, the glass stanchions, were not as well sealed as they were as they are now, and so two pieces of glass over. There was a huge check in the third period. It came out and like cut a guy over the eye, like four people down, and I was like, "This is amazing." <laughs> Bloodlust. This yeah, happens exactly. Every, so, every that's how game. my wife got hooked. She was at a game sitting up close, and uh, there was a fight, and someone's leg broke in half. Oh my god! And Ooh. she's like, "This yeah. is it. I'm hooked." <laughs> And that's how we started this dating, going to Hawks games together. You see something like that, you're either all in or you're completely out. There's right. no in between. Yeah. Yeah. We go. paid for blood. <laughs> all right, let's keep moving on here. Uh, Windy City Hockey, not a hockey question today, but what movie is your favorite all time that you can find yourself rewatching anytime? I'll start The Fugitive. I feel like we uh, we had this last week, didn't we? Something similar. Something yeah. similar. Because I, mean, I remember thinking, like, I have to remember what I what did I say as my favorite movie. My all time favorite movie yeah. is is It's a Wonderful Life. I, love that. I am a big movie. fan of that yeah. movie. Mary, Mary. <laughs> I, that's 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 uh, yeah, that, that movie tugs at the heartstrings. Um, for me, I mean, if I have to pick one movie and I have no problem watching it a million times, it's Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. It, to me, it's a perfect movie. And the bad guys win at the end. There's very few movies where the bad guys win at yeah. the end. It's yep. a nice, refreshing change. Uh, if there's a movie that I have to pick as one of my favorites that I would just have to watch over and over, uh, it's actually Anchorman. I think that's one of the I seen one of my favorite Will Ferrell movies. 
It's a good one. Well, I didn't hear which one you said. Anchorman. Anchorman. I'm sorry. Okay. Anchorman. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we just did a uh, we just did a draft on the the Chicago sports podcast of 2000s movies with saw the aughts. Yeah. You won. I chose Step Brothers over Anchorman, that which moves. is tough for me being in this industry. T- but Step Brothers has always had more lines and more. Uh, here's here's I think I, mean, I the, think we all suffered after a while of Anchorman fatigue, because uh, yeah. everyone was quoting it. Everyone yeah. was like, it was, and people like overdid the quoting. But I think going back and looking at it again, you would realize how great of a movie it was. But I love Step Brothers. Step Brothers, Step was, Brothers is a Shawshank for me. If it's on, I'm watching. Yeah. yeah. Step, Step Brothers is great. But for me, Anchorman and specifically quoting that movie is like how I made yeah. friends as sure. like a freshman yeah. in high school. 100%. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm going to uh, maybe be a little hot takey on this one. I didn't like Step Brothers. Oh, it didn't ooh. do it for me. Mm. The fucking Catalina wine mix. I think you need to see that again. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great one. Didn't Come on. <laughs> boats and hoes. And it's yeah. too annoying for me. Like, it was just like, oh, these guys need to tune it down. Steve's world. Why? 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 Didn't do it for me, man. I'll, maybe I'll give it another shot. It's because someone told you it was good. Probably. So you immediately just missed it. Yeah, because everybody here likes it. So I'm like, yeah, that movie sucks. It's the other characters. It's like Adam Scott and Catherine Hahn. I don't like Adam Catherine Hahn is great. Catherine Hahn was. Amazing was, in that film. I don't, I don't like Adam Scott. That's the idea. Oh, yeah. yeah well, You're supposed to I, hate him. But no, I just, uh, I don't mean yeah. him like, per, like not the, the character. Actor. The like, character is I, detestable. He's just so smarmy looking. He's got a punchable face. Yeah. Yeah. The, the two of them wearing tuxedos. You, yeah. you it's okay, mine's not movie accurate. This <laughs> <laughs> is great. All right, let's keep going That's here. Uh, E-Man, Lord of the Thunder, at Lord of the Thunder 31. Would you guys consider Phil Kessel a Hall of Famer or a Hall of Very Gooder? Uh, longest Iron Man streak of all time and three-time Stanley Cup winner. Hall of Famer. Over a thousand games played, uh, over a thousand points, uh, four goals short of reaching the 500 goal club, three-time Stanley Cup winner, longest Iron Man streak. Uh, yeah. Uh, U.S. Silver in 2010 was he on that team? Don't know. I can't. No, he was on the 2014 team, but they came know. up short. He, he, and he was famously not on the World Cup hockey team. Right. Uh, similarity scores on Hockey Reference: there are one, two, three, four, five, six Hall of Famers on Phil Kessel's similarity scores. Yeah. Frank Mahalovich, Ron Francis, Doug Gilmore, Denny Savard, Ted Lindsay. The ones who are not Hall of Famers: Ryan Getzlaff, who probably will be. Probably. Rick Nash, who probably will be. Jason Spezza. Claude Giroux, who probably will be. So, yes, I would say he qualifies as a Hall Phil of Famer. Phil Kessel's a Hall of Famer. I mean, I know there's Phil like Kessel some recency. Kessel was on that team, so he's got a U.S. silver. There's some probably going to be some recency bias because he hasn't been, you know, playing at an all-star Hall of Fame level for a couple sure. of years. But yeah. anybody who's played as long as he does, very rarely are you as productive your last couple of years in yeah. the league. I mean, the dude is in the lineup literally every night for the past, what, 11 seasons? Well, until this postseason, but yeah. Right. But, but that, yeah. that didn't, that didn't affect the record, though, right? Because that's a regular season No, no, season it's only record. regular seasons, yeah. But he didn't miss those games because he was hurt or anything like that. The dude plays every night. He's probably played through some nasty injuries. Mm-hmm. And he's just like... He's a he's a folk hero. Yeah, he's a regular guy. Like if you see him pass you on the street, you're not gonna think that that's a guy that's made tens of millions of dollars being a professional athlete. Yeah, he's he's awesome. And I love Phil Kessel. Other other little Kessel stats: three-time All-Star, uh, two seasons in the top ten in goals, four seasons in the top ten in points. Uh, yeah, he's. I mean, 
he be, has become a bit of a punchline because of his size and all the jokes about him. But take that away, and he's a damn good player. Yeah. If you just take the name off and show people the stats, yes. Was he one of the best 20 players of his era? Ooh. That's I tough. S- I say yes. From when I mean, he started, that, to he when played he in a really good era. He, yeah, he he's he's got some big names to try and. But when he, you, there's he, probably you know. five Blackhawks I'd put ahead of him from his era. Taves, Kane, yeah. Hosa, Keith. I, one of the problems with with Kessel is that his prime years, he was the best player on some bad Maple Leafs teams. Yeah. yeah. So I think a lot of his best years were missed uh, because he didn't have a lot of help either. Yeah. Well, and that might go against him because they hate him in Toronto for whatever right, reason. Right, exactly. And you know how that goes for you. But he's to me, he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best players. From when he played, he was one of the top players. You know, in the conversations of being, you know, he's not a Sidney Crosby. He's not a Alex Ovechkin. But he's that next tier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hall of Famer. Put him in right now. He's 99th all-time in scoring. Is that right? Sounds right to me. I mean, over yeah. a thousand points. Yeah. So, on, yeah, only so many guys have a thousand points. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the stats speak for himself. And he's eight points away from a uh, thousand. Eight points away from a thousand? Yeah, he's got nine hundred ninety-two according to. Oh, I thought he had a thousand. Okay. I did too. All right. Well, he'll get there, and he's still a free agent, but he'll get I, there. Hopefully, my dream is still alive. But he yeah, nine ninety-two. Hopefully, yeah. he gets that five hundred goal and one thousand points somehow. In, in Chicago with the Blackhawks. Yeah. That would be wonderful. That'd he, be can't, fun. he can't wear 18 or 81, but... Well, uh, no, I can't wear 8. 80. 88. It's a fat number. <laughs> 80? Yeah. Give him 88. Screw I think it. he wore 25 in college. Yeah. No, they wouldn't. They didn't. Andrew, 81 his a- whole career. And Andrew Desjardins in, uh, wore that Vegas. number with San Jose, and they wouldn't give it to him when he came here. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to allow that here. Of course, as Young Dangle God points out in the chat, don't forget his record for most hot dogs Cokes consumed in an NHL. There you go. Were 26 in college. There you go. All right, moving on. Old Sneaky Pete. Oh, boy. Here he old comes. Sneaky Pete. What are you projecting the Ice Hogs lines to be? This could be an entire episode for <laughs> yeah, what it's worth. Uh, young. Yeah. I project the lines to be uh, young. No idea. Yeah, let's, uh, we can. I can tell you who will be there. Um, yeah, I mean, the AHL lines are, are insignificant because they are always changing because your roster changes from yeah. game to game. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, like Lucas Reichel's not going to be an ice hog this year. Uh, we know, you know, Ethan Del Mastro and Nolan Allen and Colton Dock and Jalen Lipin, Drew Camezzo. Those are all going to be new faces there that are going to be important players. So uh, I plan on doing a uh, in-depth ice hogs preview article for all all chgo.com as we get closer to the season. And we kind of know who's going to be. Yeah, there. we got to see who's going to be Because they're probably still going to bring it. You know, they're probably still going to sign a guy or two between now and and the start of the camp. You never know what happens. You know, the AHL is such a weird league to try to predict because guys are there one second and then they're gone the next and never come back. Yeah. So or guys you never expected to be on your team all of a sudden become one of your most important players. So. Um, but I'll definitely do an Ice Hogs preview for the website uh, closer to October. That makes sense. It's probably a good time to do it. 
And so of course, know. you know, yeah. it's a good tease for uh, Chris Peters, who's coming up here in a matter of minutes. I mean, maybe he yeah. can tell you Give about Give us our Ice Hogs lines, Chris. You know? Well, yeah. no, I mean. <laughs> call yourself an expert? I, well, I think it's more about who will Do be Do the Hershey there. Bears, just for shits and giggles. There you yeah. go. Exactly. <laughs> All right, here is a, com- a question from Griffin H. Yee. Piggybacking off of last week, who would be your ideal penalty kill unit? I'll go with Taves and Bergeron up front, Nicholas Lidstrom, and Scott Stevens on D, and Hashik is in net Hasek to make in incredible That's saves. Hard to argue with that. I mean, yeah, it's geez. pretty good. Uh, yeah. Um, you're tempted to take a natural winger. Over two centers, but if someone gets thrown out of the faceoff circle, yeah. you got the next guy there to, to take it. I mean, Bergeron's a good choice. Kopitar, Kopitar on that list. Um, you know, it's to me. I would throw a guy like Mitch Marner on my PK unit, just because that's a he, scoring threat. Yeah, he's been so good yeah. defensively the last few years. He's really with the and he's that scoring threat. To where you catch a team nap and mm-hmm. he streaks down the ice. Short shorthanded goals have become a thing. Like you know, you rarely see them, but now you see more guys like that playing the PK. You want to yeah. catch these guys. Plus, you know, at the end of a, a PK, you kind of want a guy like that out there as well for when you get back at five on five. You don't yeah. just have four complete plugs out there <laughs> and right. uh, get caught that way. So, but there's a lot of great options. Yeah, uh, if I'm if I'm putting together. Uh, my most trusted penalty kill unit, I would say uh, I'm going to put out Jonathan Taze, uh, Sidney Crosby, Nick Jalmerson, and I'm going to say Chris Pronger. Those, those would be my four to kill the penalty. If I had to pick four, I would do Crosby as well over Bergeron just for the the offensive point too but you know Sid's no slouch I defensively mean, yeah no uh I would do Marner Crosby uh I'd probably put Duncan Keith out there yeah I was uh, gonna say Keith that's a good one instead of Stevens yeah and then uh I mean Nick Lidstrom's the best to ever do it I never saw Bobby Orr play yeah so I can't I can't really comment but in my lifetime I've never seen a, a better defenseman than Nick Lidstrom Lidstrom he does yeah. everything. You, you you wouldn't go you couldn't go wrong with uh, Duncan Keith and Chris Chelios in his prime as your PK. That'd be defense. fun. Sure, <laughs> punch you in the face a couple times too. Absolutely. While you're at it. <laughs> yeah, lot, so many good choices uh, for that. It's pretty solid. I like that question. All right. Uh, next up, we have Walters Ringer, uh, who goes at a civilized human uh, on the old Twitter machine. Who? Is your irrational favorite random Blackhawks player or players? <laughs> Mine are James Black, Jim Cummins, and Jeff Shantz, oh, who are three amazing names. That's good old number 38, James Black. Great choices. Yes. 38, 15, and 11. Yep. Right. Nailed it. Good yes, job. Yes, indeed. Uh, does Rutu count for me? Two almost. Is that irrational? He was a first-round pick. He was a, a hyped prospect. There's, I think there's a lot of rational. That's pretty rational. Like yeah. Yeah, that's not very – I mean, I – that's like me saying Christopher Steve, but that's not yeah, really irrational. That's not really irrational. That's a good player. Uh, hmm. Irrational. Liking so that means like liking just kinda like a just guy. Just for the hell of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah kinda um, liking a guy. I was a I I was a big uh fan of Ben Smith back in the day. I don't know what I don't know why. He had a he had a big goal once. He was a fourth liner. Yeah. Just seemed like a nice person. He was, was a nice person. Was a big Ben Smith. I did fan. some events with him. Can't, that's why yeah. he was traded. <laughs> Can't still spell Ben Smith about B E S T. He's That's right. Fun. Uh, I might. I've probably mentioned this before, but a fun uh, Ben Smith random trivia. He is a 
cousin, distant cousin of uh, Eric Idle of Monty Python. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Yes. Yep. That's wild. They've actually, like, met at a at a game when he was playing for the Sharks. Oh, fun. Yeah. That's awesome. I uh, loved Enrico Ciccone. Yes. Just because, because it's such a fun name. It's yes. a great name, and he was such, he was such a comical goon. He was the like, best. That's all he was. Yeah. He was just there to beat people up. He even wore shorter gloves so he could throw them off faster. Obviously. That, that was his sole purpose Smart. was to be an enforcer. Smart. Great name, terrible player, good fighter, entertaining as hell. And now he's like a... He's like in a parliament. Politician? Like, yeah, he's in like in Canada? Canada, Canadian parliament. Yeah, something like that. Or the mayor of some town. Or so. Yeah, he's in politics. And I also, I always really liked Alexei Zhamanov. I don't know if that counts either. But everybody hated him because he was traded for Ronick, but he was a good player. Yeah. He was a really good second-line center, but that's not what they traded for. I liked Christian Rutu as a kid. Okay. Just because it was fun to say Rutu. Rutu, Rutu. is a fun name. Yeah. Give me, give me Jossie T- or Jocelyn Lemieux. I Jocelyn, like Jocelyn, Jocelyn Lemieux. Lemieux. Or John Ives LaRue, uh, Lemieux, right? No, it was John Ives. John Ives LaRue. Johnny, yeah, Johnny Ives LaRue. Uh, yeah. 23. Yeah. 23, yeah. Uh, a lot of good names in Steve there. Steve Dubinsky. Patrick Poulin, Adam Craig. Oh, I hate, I hate Patrick, Patrick Poulin. Poulin. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever said that, block them. <laughs> oh, it's Charlie. Yeah, it is. Okay, right. especially Brian. That's uh, a good one. Sergey Krivokrasov's a great one. Craig uh, Anderson. Krivokrasov, yeah. Yep. Uh, Steve Sullivan. But there was some ration behind it. Let's remember player. some guys. I love uh, Joe Murphy. How about Steve Smith? I saw a video the other oh, day I love of Steve uh, Smith. The Duke. Probert with the Red Wings just runs Belfour. Like, just totally dirty. And immediately Steve Smith jumps in and, and goes <laughs> after Probert. There was zero hesitation. Yeah. That guy was, he was tougher than nails. He rarely fought, but when he did, he won. Uh, born in Scotland. Just a badass. Love I love too. Steve Smith. Yeah, that might be, awesome. that actually might be, if I was going to buy like a, a jersey from the past, I might get a Steve Smith jersey just for, just for shits. Number five. Number right? five. Yeah. 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 And I mean, famous for an own goal yeah, as an Oiler. ended the Oilers right. season. Yeah, yeah. That's tough. That guy That's had a great he, he career. To see, that was his last play with the Oilers. Yeah. Hawks well, it's year. tough to come back from that. Yeah. <laughs> I always like Keith Carney too. I like ah, Keith, Keith Carney. Carney. I like Carney too. Underrated. How about yeah. Mike Peluso? Let's name random defenders. All right. Yeah. I mean, the <laughs> this first. This could be a whole show. The yeah. first Stefan Mateau was great. Yeah. I liked him. Brian Noonan was a, fa- a favorite. Brian of mine. Noonan. Because uh, I like saying Noonan, miss it. Miss we're going to break into Mailbag Monday on a Tuesday with a super chat from Thomas Salata. What was your favorite save of all time, Hawks or otherwise? He says, loved it when Hashik stacked the pads. There was a play favorite where save. Martin Brodeur made a save and the puck trickled. He was a left, yeah, he was a left club. So it trickled to his right, and he was kind of exposed, and he just took the paddle and laid it flat on the ice, just desperation, and saved it. Like, the only thing that could stop it was the paddle. He just, out of, out of panic, took the stick, put it down on the ice, and the guy shot it directly onto the paddle, and he just flicked it out of there. It's total luck, yeah. but he did it, and I like it because when I was playing ball hockey, I was a goalie, and the same thing happened to me, and I did it, and it worked. Hey, <laughs> I, I never would have thought to do go. it until I saw Martin Brodeur do it, and I did it, and the one time I tried it, it worked. So nice. that, that, that was my favorite save of all time. That sounds like the one uh, Hawks Hockey 98 here has in the, in the chat from Braden Holtby's uh, paddle save against yep. the Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup Final 2018. Uh, that, that's one that sticks out to me that's you know non, non-Blackhawks of like, like that – should have been a goal 99 times out of 100 uh and that goal i think would have tied the game uh 
late in the game. I think it was game two. Um, and if if that goal goes in, the uh, Golden Knights were up one one nothing in that series, potentially going to overtime. I mean, that could have completely changed the direction of that series. Uh, but he made the save. Caps went on to win the next four games in a row, and that worked won, out. Won the cup. Charlie brings up a good one. Eddie Belfour made a, a diving glove save on Sergei Fedorov. Yeah, I remember that one. I wish like. Can we just show the YouTube of that, or are we going to get sued? Probably yeah. get sued. Yeah. Probably get sued. Uh, the, uh, he wasn't a hawk at the time. Put it on, the, uh, put it on your Twitters. Yeah. Right. yeah the, uh, um, he wasn't a hawk at the time, but he became a hawk. Marc-Andre Fleury against Nicholas Lindstrom with like six seconds to go in game seven of that Stanley Cup final made that huge oh, save. Oh, yeah. And then a the few seconds later, the Penguins are, are Penguins hoisting are the, cup. the cup. So, yeah, yeah that was, that was, that's one that one. sticks out. All those Hashik saves where he's got the slinky for his spine and doing the flipping over and all that stuff. You know, Brodeur uh, had some great saves. You know, Patrick Wow. You know, so many good ones out there. How about uh, this, this uh, from Chris Dubiel? Cristobal Huey, Scorpion save versus Detroit No. 9. I don't remember that. I, I mean, a Scorpion, that means he kicked out the yeah, lane. Yeah, that's pretty I, good. I, I Any of those Scorpion saves are pretty incredible. Yeah, I, I don't remember the Huey. I don't remember the, I, I've, I'm scarred for life for Huey because of that one game I went to Columbus to. Well, yeah, because we sat four <laughs> rows in front of the cannon. The, the prick gave up seven goals. That's tough. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury save that I remember is uh, a couple of years ago. He it was against the Maple Leafs early in the season, and he just makes this. I'm, I'm I've pulled it up on YouTube here. Late in the third period in a one goal game, uh, just makes a just desperation diving save off of a off of a you know rebounded puck that uh, I think it's Nick Patan just kind of throws at the net and he's completely out of position dives back grabs it snags it saves the game Golden Knights win I believe it's the next day Mike Babcock is fired from the Maple Leafs so I I always remember Flurry making that save because of the snowball effect after it. yeah so that's a, that's a good one that sticks out for me. As a, I think I'm with Zach Osborne. It says, my favorite save of all time was every save Niemi and Crow made on our way to our three most recent cups. Sure. Hard to argue. What about the saves that Scott Darling made? No, uh, no love yeah. for him? Yeah, how about Ramry? Wow. Yeah. Ram- okay. no, sure. I don't think Emery played in the, in the 2013 no, Cup. played on the team, though. Well, he, wait, Emery, didn't he, he get some games Not in the playoffs, in the playoffs though, I don't he think. He didn't? No. People wanted him to get oh. in the Stanley Cup. There was a there was that game in Calgary. Well, there was Calgary. a there was a legit debate between yeah. Emery and Going Crawford. Going into Game Five of, of the Stanley Cup Final, right? Or was it Game? Was it six? the final? I I just remember who was going to be the starter yeah. for the start well, of the playoffs. We, but all, yeah. we all remember the blatant disrespect Corey Crawford got during his career. Yes. Only now is it finally starting to be taken away. I, I hope so. Yeah. Um, how many more we got? So we have two more. All right, we'll save them for tomorrow. We'll save them for tomorrow because Chris is in the waiting room. Do you want to run ads for? Yes, we get we're going to tell everybody about room. Hooters. It is your spot to catch all the games this season. Step up to their plate for their world-famous wings, delicious seafood, stacked sandwiches. Those are the best kind. Salads for some reason. And more. Tons of great beer specials and six-dollar drinks all day Every day, check out Hooters Seafood Specials 1983 for a pound of crab legs and great prices on buffalo and steamed shrimp. And Hooters is celebrating 40 years in business all year long. In honor of the anniversary, on the fourth of every month, Hooters will be hosting throwback events, bringing the 80s back with 83 cent wings and other great specials. 
The next one is on September 4th. So put that in your calendar. Make sure you show up to Hooters and our CHGO Crosstown Classic coverage is presented by Hooters. It's your spot to catch all the games, step up to the plate for the, all the great wings, seafood, stack sandwiches, all the things I mentioned. At Hooters, it's always easy to pick a winner. 11 Chicago land locations. Visit OriginalHooters.com for more info. That's an important web address, OriginalHooters.com. You don't want to go to the wrong one, yeah. especially at work. Don't, don't go to the fake Hooters.com. Right. Go to the OriginalHooters.com. Exactly right. Uh, I'm not a fan of fake Hooters. <laughs> hey, you know what's real? <laughs> the deliciousness of Goose Island beer. <laughs> they are Hunkers. the proud beard sponsor of us here at CHGO, and they have been Chicago's beer since 1988. Honkers and Hooters. I'm sure you can find <laughs> plenty of delicious Goose Island at your local Hooters. They might have the Goose IPA, the six-time medal winner at the Great American Beer Fest, which is always in style with a citrus aroma and bold hop finish. The Tropical Beer Hug, the Dry Hopped Imperial IPA that is a 9.9 ABV that's dangerously easy to drink. The Full Pocket Pills, the Everyday Beer, it's what the Goose Island Beer Brewers are drinking. And of course, you can always find the Golden 312, the Wheat Ale, the staple of Goose Island's uh, illustrious beer roster. You can grab ultra-fresh brewery-exclusive beers at Goose Island's original brew house on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln (coughs) Park, or you can go to their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Again, that's the Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. All right, now it is time to welcome one of our favorite guests. We can't say favorite because other people listen, and he's really our favorite, but just don't tell anybody else. It's Chris Peters uh, from Flow Hockey. It says here on Twitter, Senior Content Creator. Oh, that's senior. My bad. <laughs> senior content creator at Flow Hockey. Follow him on Twitter at Chris M. Peters. Chris, thanks for being with us, man. It's good to see you again. Hey, it's uh, it's a great to be with you. Thank you for uh, the the nice honorific of senior content creator. I appreciate <laughs> well, it. You got to play up the senior thing. It makes it doesn't. You don't sound old when you're senior. You know what I mean? Right. That's true. Good point. <laughs> Perfect. Chris, uh, I noticed that we've ditched the White Sox hat since your last Yeah, appearance. what happened? <laughs> oh, so I mean, well, I'm going to the game on Sunday, so. Oh, there I'll, you go. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, be, I'll be wearing it then. I guess I'm just keeping it. Winners of three for now? I don't know. <laughs> Keep it fresh. I still got all my, I, you can't see it. It's just off camera, but I still got all my White Sox uh, photos and stuff up there. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I mean, I've given up on this season, of course, but. Never on the, uh, ah, the franchise. You never as a know. Whole. They might get. No, hot. I, I know. No, I know. I know. No, <laughs> could be worse. I've they could be the Royals. This. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Very, exactly. Hey, there's there's always somebody worse. Typically. I mean, it's got to win like twenty in a row, and they'll be at five hundred. Yeah, that's twenty one in yeah. a row, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So right back in. Hey, yeah, there's, there's, so. they're one Can we talk about the hockey there. prospects now? Because yes, I'm just, absolutely. I'm really <laughs> sad and depressed. I, I don't want to keep the energy level up. <laughs> yes, let's do that. Good idea. Yes. Good idea. Um, so we have what well, we saw you at the draft. We've not spoken to you since the draft. So before we get into the World Junior Summer Showcase that happened last week. Um, I just sort of welcome your thoughts on the Blackhawks draft class. We've been playing the audio of you calling Connor Bedard the shortcut for months and months and months. People have heard all that. But as far as the rest of the class, what can you tell us? What are your feelings? How did the Hawks do uh, in Nashville at the draft this year? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think that this was yet another good year to, and obviously an important year for the next steps. And then and, and to, to have Bedard as the centerpiece is great. But then, you know, I think that the, the Blackhawks, I was, I was as surprised as I think the Blackhawks were that uh, Oliver Moore was still available to them um, later in the first round. And, and, you know, I, I think 
I didn't see him getting past a number of those teams there. And then all of a sudden there he is. And, um, you know, I think Winnipeg was probably the one where it's like, uh, you know, they've had a lot of American guys, especially from the national team program, um, and they didn't take them. And, and so, you know, it makes it a pretty easy trip up to the podium. And, and that's a key piece. You know, I, I think that in terms of pure upside, you, you look at the goaltending of Adam Guyon and there's a lot of unknowns yet. I think it's a high risk pick, but at the same time, potential for massive reward. He's a bit of a late bloomer. Nobody knew about him a year ago. Uh, and then he goes and he, he was the star goalie for Slovakia at the World Championship and was a goal away from beating Connor Bedard in this quarterfinals. Uh, but then Connor Bedard, you know, did the thing that he's probably going to do many, many times for Chicago um, in that tournament. And so, you know, I think as a whole, they also had a had a had a boatload of picks. So when you have a lot of picks and you have a lot of options available to you, um, you know, you're you're going to you're going to feel good about the variety that you have. I think that you're going to feel good about the depth that you've created. And, and that's probably the biggest thing that the Blackhawks have now that they didn't have before was there's there's really a lot of variety there's a lot of different positions represented and then now there's there's guys that that fit a lot of places you know did they maybe reach on some of the guys that they took sure i mean you know i think that when you have so many picks you can be pickier about the guys that you want you want to get the guys that you wanted so guys like martin mishiak you know maybe that was a little early but it was also you look at the way that he played in the playoffs for youngstown last year and you say well, teams aren't going to be sleeping on this guy anymore because he was really good when he went at the most important time of the season. So that was uh, um, really good for them to get to get a guy like that who, you know, is going to head to Erie next year. He's going to get another opportunity to be um, a, a big time player in, in a in a key situation for uh, for a team that's, you know, on the rise. They've got some good players. So, you know, I think in general, when you look at what the Blackhawks have done, um, you know, in the last two years, you say, OK, this looks like the prospect pool of a team that's going somewhere. There are plenty of teams that have a lot of draft prospects. There aren't as many teams that have the, um, you know, the, the depth and the variety of positions available. You look down up and down, you say, okay, well, you know, they've got two really good goalie prospects and, you know, I still have a Drew Camesso believer. You got Adam guy on as well. Um, you know, you look at the guys that they have down the middle, you look at the guys they have on defense led by Kevin Korchinski. You know, there, there are positions represented throughout the lineup that you feel like, Hey, there's, there's some piece for the future here. And then on top of that, you know, they probably still will struggle this season. You know, it's it's not going to be an overnight fix. It's going to definitely shorten the amount of time of and, and the amount of pain that I think they're going to have to go through by getting Connor Bedard. But, you know, I, I still think that there's there's potential to add even more next year. And in, in if they're a lottery team next year, you know, what kind of picks will be available? Next year's a really good year for defensemen. Um, so I think in general, the long the long and short of it is, you know, this is a this is a prospect system that looks way stronger than it did and obviously now you've got a franchise centerpiece which every team is hoping they get in the draft and it's just all about timing blackhawks picked the best possible year to be really bad <laughs> all according to plan yep yeah well and, and some of those guys that are looking to be focal points of the of the prospect system and and focal points of the the rebirth of the Blackhawks in this new era of hockey. Uh, we're part of the World Junior Summer Showcase uh, this past week with Team USA. Uh, guys like Sam Renzel, Gavin Hayes, Oliver Moore, and Frank Nazar. Uh, what were your initial uh, reactions to the camps that those guys had? And was there anything that surprised you from, from any of them that uh, maybe you weren't, uh, weren't expecting to see in a, in a summer setting? 
Well, you know, I think the headline for at least as far as Chicago Blackhawks prospects are concerned is how good Frank Nazar was in this camp. You know, he missed most of last season with a an injury and, and surgery and he was out for a while and, you know, it, it was unclear when he would get back. He gets back in February and you could tell, you know, he wasn't quite himself. He was also coming into the season when everything's ramped up and he's just getting started, it wasn't really a fair comparison to him. So we wanted to see what he would look like with more time, better health. Well, he looked amazing at this camp. He looked like a guy that should be on the U.S. World Junior Team. He looked like a guy that's going to have a big year in college hockey. He's not a big guy, but he's quick. He's shifty. He's got skill. He's good defensively, even though he doesn't have that tremendous size. So, you know, he's he's able to, you know, win faceoffs. He had a, several clean faceoff wins where, you know, created scoring chances off of that. And that's really great to see. So, he looks like he's back to the way that he was playing in his draft year. The reason that he was a guy that went in the top 15 as a, as a draft eligible, I think he's a really good player for, for, you know, for the now. And then also for the long term. you know, what is he ultimately going to be as a, as an NHL or, you know, is he a middle six guy? Probably, you know, there's obviously you want to make sure that he's, continuing to get build strength and find ways to diversify his game a little bit more. But I mean, in terms of all the offensive elements that we've, we've come to know and expect from him and the quickness that he's shown and the tenacity that he's played with, those were all evident. And this is, you know, so I think of all the guys in the camp, you know, he was probably the one that, that really looked like he had come the furthest year over year considering where he was last year with the injury. So great news there. Um, in terms of the other guys, you know, I think Sam Renzel had a really good start to camp and he kind of, went backwards as it went on um not necessarily all that surprising i think that the thing that we have to keep in mind about sam renzel is he was a project pick when he was selected it was all going to be about time and patience and allowing him to develop and you also have to remember he's making the jump directly from the ushl to the world junior and that is a gigantic leap in terms of you know the pace of the game um, what he's able to do with the puck. And I think he had to learn the hard way. You know, you got to manage the puck a little bit better. You've got it. You can't make, go on as many runs up the ice as he would in the USHL. Um, so that was a bit of a learning process for him. That said, he's big. He looks stronger. I think that he's more put together as a player than he was last year. The question is going to be for him, you know, is he ready for this step at the world juniors? And I think that that is still unanswered. Um, I don't think he necessarily locked himself into the roster. I did put him on my projected roster because USA needs some size in the back end. And he has the size and the mobility and the ability to move pucks that I think is helpful, but he is going to need more time. Now he's going to the university of Minnesota next year. Let's see what he looks like in the first half. Let's see how he handles the pace of college because that's pretty close at least to the world junior level. It's a little bit closer than what he would got at the USHL last year. So I'll be very fascinated to see exactly how that all plays out for him. So he's on the bubble, but I, you know, he was on my projected roster, which is on, on full hockey right now. So there's, there's that. But then in terms of the other guys, Oliver Moore and Gavin Hayes, I have them both on the projected roster roster as well. Oliver Moore was a guy who started a little bit slow and got better as the camp went on. Fastest player on the ice every single game that he played. Fastest player in camp. Um, he'll probably be one of, if not the fastest player in college hockey next year. Just a remarkable skater, and that was evident throughout the camp. I think if there were a couple things that I want to see improvement on, it's the ability to drive play a little bit more. He didn't make as many plays. Uh, he finished a lot of plays, so he, you know he's taking advantage of his opportunities that were there, but I'd like to see him fight through it a little bit more. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he didn't 
necessarily make as many plays as I would like to see, but you could see the role that he could carve out in a very, uh, you know, kind of versatile player where he can play in a lot of different places in the lineup, which makes him a good option to potentially be, you know, a 13th forward or an extra forward, um, you know, a, a kind of a break glass in case of emergency kind of guy who probably won't play in the top six this year, uh, but certainly will be a prominent guy next year. And then lastly, Gavin Hayes, who, you know, I think he's a really good junior player. He's a guy that has made, uh, you know, a living on, he can score goals and, and he's, he's got some heaviness to him, some size, you know, and I think he's got a great chance. I thought he acquitted himself well and, and looked like a guy that could be on USA's fourth line this year. That's, you know, probably long-term who knows that might be the role that he ends up playing, but I think he's a guy that provides a lot of scoring depth too. So um, those four guys all put themselves in a position to make the team. Um, you know, I think Hayes, I feel as comfortable as I do about anybody else that I put on the projected roster because I thought he played so well in camp and showed that he could play a defined role. Um, but then after that, you know, I think you look at obviously Nazar having a great camp, more having a strong camp, Renzel doing enough to stay in the conversation. All in all, a good camp for those Blackhawks prospects. So the, the top three Hawks offensive prospects, Bedard, Nazar, and Moore, and whichever you want to rank those last two, they're all currently centers. Of those three, are they all NHL centers? One, who do you think are for sure NHL centers of that group? Well, I think the thing is, is I don't think you could have all three be centers on the same team. Right. Um, you know, so the fact of the matter is you're talking about, you know, three guys that are sub six foot. Um, and that is if there's one position in the NHL where you don't see that as commonly, it's center. Um, I mean, obviously defense as well. But, you know, so I, I think that, you know, in all likelihood, you know, you're looking at you're looking at probably Nazar being a wing at the NHL level. Um, he is very good on faceoffs. He's defensively responsible. He does all the things well. It's just a matter of can he play a heavy enough game um, at his size to be an effective two-way center at the NHL level. Um, but you want that offensive capability that he brings, that that spark plug nature. You know, I think that he's a guy that that tries to, to model his game a bit after like Braden Point, um, who is a guy that, you know, can play both. He can do both. He can be center, he can be wing. Um, obviously a center more frequently now. So that's a good sign. Um, Oliver Moore, same thing. Like, you know, I think that it, at the end of the day, um, if I'm looking at the three of them in terms of pure hockey sense, I've got the other two guys ahead of him, which gives them a little bit more of an advantage in terms of playing center. I don't think he's as, as much of a play driver, but that said, I think he's of those three among the best defensively. So, you know, he gives you a little bit of that. Um, so I think it'd be very hard for all three of them to be centers on the same NHL team. Uh, but I do think that they each fit into the lineup and there's definitely spots for those guys. You know, Bedard, I think you want him to have the puck as much as humanly possible. And the best way to do that is to keep him in his natural position. Um, you know, so, so I think that all three of those guys have the potential to, to slot over with Bedard obviously being the most likely option to be uh, a number one center in the NHL. The reason, sorry, real quick. The reason I ask about Bedard is because last year's world juniors, he was not playing center. He Correct. was playing wing and, and I, maybe it was just a roster fit sort of a thing. 
Um, but that sort of raised my eyebrows when I saw that. So that's kind of why I'm curious, is he an NHL center or not? Yeah, you know, and I think in that particular instance, it just had to do more with the depth of Canada and the fact that, you know, basically they had guys that were probably a little bit better defensively um, in their mix. And I'm trying, you know, Shane Wright obviously had had a size advantage, a strength advantage, an experience advantage. Um, you know, so that, that allowed that. And I do think that, you know, the, the world juniors is is always a little bit more about what you're doing right at that moment and at that moment connor bedard was a 17 year old sub six foot player you know that that hasn't really fully physically developed yet when you get him to his peak at the nhl level you're expecting a guy that's physically stronger he's still not going to be tall but he's probably going to be an even better skater he's going to be more defensively responsible so i i really to me i don't think there's much of a of a chance that he is a long-term wing i just think that his ability to drive play his hand skills his hockey sense you know all of that to me screams natural center um, and then the fact that he can be the goal scorer that he is, even at the center position with all the additional responsibilities, just speaks to how good of a player he is. You mentioned Oliver Moore and how you thought he might be one of the best players in all of college hockey this coming year at University of Minnesota. How big of an opportunity does he have to do that since Logan Cooley seemingly changed his mind and went pro? And do you think there's any chance Oliver Moore follows that same path and is a one and done at Minnesota or do you think he's uh it all depends on what he does this season yeah so you know I I think for me um you know I I just I think he'll be one of the best skaters in terms of his skating ability in college hockey I just want to make that clear I, I think that there's still a ways for him to go before he's going to be one of the best players this is actually a loaded year even without Logan Cooley in terms of a a Hobie Baker race and different things like that but what I would say about Oliver Moore is you know the opportunity that's in front of him with Logan Cooley leaving is a substantial one um the the fact that that the University of Minnesota within a couple of weeks loses their number one center um, and now has to replace him uh, puts Oliver Moore in a position to get there um, they're also so they now have lost two-thirds of their top line from last season which was a significant portion of their scoring um, the only one still there is Jimmy Snuggerud who's a blues prospect and a tremendous goal scorer and a guy that you know you want to make sure that you have a facilitator with him the question I have is is Oliver Moore enough of a of a facilitator a playmaker to play with a pure trigger man in in Jimmy Snuggerud as a top a top line center or is there a better fit for him a little further down the lineup the question is you know does Minnesota have any other better options and I'm not necessarily sure that they do Oliver Moore is being brought in as one of the best recruits they've had in the last couple of years um I, you know I, Logan Cooley excluded. Um, but I mean, in terms of draft pedigree and even higher draft pedigree than both Snuggerud and Matthew Nyes, who was there last year, um, some of the first round defensemen that they've had. So, you know, there he, he has this opportunity. In terms of what I think he'll be, Logan Cooley is now, guys like him, one and duns, have become increasingly rare in, in hockey, um, which is kind of like an oxymoron, increasingly rare. Um, but, you know, it is something that, we don't see as much. And I don't think that Oliver Moore is a one and done player. Um, I think he has too far to go um, to develop. And I think 
What we want to see from him over the next couple of years is to bring more of that play driving element. We've talked a lot about how his sometimes his hockey sense doesn't catch up with his hands and his feet. And so we need to see that happen as well. Um, we want to see him be a dominant center, a dominant two-way center at the collegiate game before you make the commitment to being an NHL regular. I mean, this is the kind of guy, if you, you, a lot of these college players that stay at least two years, skip the AHL, go straight to the NHL roster and make an impact. You look at Matty Beneers, you look at Owen Power, you look at even Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes. Um, it happens a lot more frequently with defensemen. But this year we've had two one and dones with both Fantilli and Cooley leaving for the pros. And we'll see how they do. You know, there have been plenty of guys that did one and done and did just fine. Dylan Larkin was an all-star, I think, in his first year um, as a one and done. So, you know, you, you never really know. It depends on the player. But as far as I'm concerned, I think the timeline for Oliver Moore is still um, going into the at least two years at Minnesota and then making a decision from there. Wanted to shift some attention from the U.S. Uh, prospects that the Blackhawks have to the Canadian ones. Uh, Canada wasn't really doing much of a of a summer showcase event, more or less, just kind of like a Team Canada uh, summit, I guess you'd call it. It was all uh, off ice. Um, Kevin Korczynski obviously was was there. He's expected to be a big part of Team Canada for the World Juniors if he's made available by the Blackhawks, which I think we all assume he will be. Um, but Sam Savoie was there, and I've seen him in a couple different publications uh, projected to make potentially make Team Canada at the World Juniors. What do you make of his of his chances um, to to be a part of that team when the tournament comes? Yeah, you know, I think he's got a chance for sure. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how Canada is able to structure their roster. The You know, the expectation is they won't have Bedard, they won't have Fantilli. You know, there are going to be a number of guys missing. Um, you know, they, they probably won't have a good chunk of guys. And so the roster that Canada is going to be able to bring this year isn't as exciting. I don't think is, as certainly not as last year's and some of the other ones that they've had in recent times. And, you know, that, that does leave the door open. I think, you know, with Savoy, he's kind of, uh, he has kind of spark plug elements to him. He's, he's got some, he's got some grit to that skill that he has. And um, I think that's ultimately, you know, a, a testament to how far he's come as a, as a player. Um, you know, this is a tournament where teams definitely want to have more 19-year-olds than they do 18- and 17-year-olds. Um, so that's another advantage to him where he'll be, you know, in that group of players. So, you know, I think if he does make it, he'll probably be in a depth role. Uh, Canada has still has quite a bit of skill throughout their lineup. Um, they also, you know, they have – quite a few players that are on the smaller side right now too, which he would kind of fit into that category as well. Um, so, you know, I would say it, it's really the fact that Canada didn't have an evaluation camp this year, which is you know, partially tied to the, the, the 2018 scandal where, you know, there were a lot of budgetary cuts and all that money was redirected away from the junior team. Um, you know, so there otherwise would have been an on ice component to this, but they just had this, you know, basically beat a zoom call uh, with their guys, you know, so it's hard to say. So, it, so much is going to be determined by the first half of next season, um, which makes it a little bit kind of tougher. Usually at this time, we would have an idea because we get to see line combinations. We get to see what the coaching staff is thinking. You know, we do all these different things like we just did at USA's camp um, and we don't have that advantage here. So it's tough to put a, a, a you know, a, odds on it um but certainly if you're in if you're at that stage where you're among the you know however the 40 plus guys that they invited to that meeting um that's a pretty good indication of where you're at right now and certainly a, a feather in his cap 
Is there? Uh, we've talked a lot about the big names in the Hawks system. Is there somebody you think that maybe Hawks fans might be sleeping on a little bit in terms of uh, long-term projection? Oh, um, you know, I, I think the guy that that certainly we want to keep a real close eye on this year is Ryan Green um, at Boston University. Uh, he had he was on the cusp of making Canada's junior team last year. I mean, he was really close to making it, um, and unfortunately, now aged out. Not an option for him. He won't be there. But it's really rare for a guy from the USHL who had played the previous season in the USHL and then played in you know was playing U.S. college hockey to get that far into that process. And the reason that he did is because he's got size, he's got strength, he's got two way ability, and he put up really good numbers last year. I mean, 31 points in 38 games as a freshman. This is a guy that I think you need to watch a lot more closely in terms of could he be part of this long-term solution. He'd probably be a depth guy. He'd probably be, you know, a bottom bottom six forward, a bottom six center. But I like his two-way capabilities. I like the way that he plays in in a lot of different, you know, areas. Um, you know, and I, I still think that there's there's a lot of him. There's a lot more for him to tap into, um, which is is a really great thing. So. Boston University is going to be a top-tier team once again this year. They've got Macklin Celebrini coming in, number one recruit in college hockey. They've got, you know, Lane Hudson coming back, who was the top freshman defenseman in college hockey last year and probably should have been uh, Hobie Baker, hat-trick finalist, the way he played. Um, this is a team that has every reason to believe that they can compete for a national championship next year. Um, and guys like Ryan Green are going to have to play a, an outsized role if that's going to actually happen because he's now a veteran player. So um, that's a guy to definitely keep an eye on. I think he's not terribly far away from you know being a signable player. Um, and so you know maybe he plays this year, maybe he gets a contract, maybe he plays one more after this. Um, but that's a guy that I think absolutely has an opportunity to rise to, you know, a contributor at the NHL level. Um, we're running close to the end of time, but time for one more. Thanks for, uh, for being generous with your time, Chris. I kind of want to get your opinion on something we've debated and discussed this offseason, and that's what happens with Kevin Korchinski this year. Of course, the CHL rule is it's back to Seattle or the NHL. There's no AHL as an option for him. Um, and a player like him that might serve as a disadvantage a little bit. If you're Kyle Davidson and you get to make the call and Korchinski in training camp of preseason looks like he can handle the NHL in a limited role, what do you do? Is it, is it more beneficial for him to be a big fish in a small pond in, in the WHL? Or do you let him take his lumps uh, at the NHL level? I think I think it really depends on how you feel about your roster and how you're able to insulate him and who you're going to surround him with. Um, you know, there's probably a benefit to being around guys like Seth Jones and and Connor Murphy and whoever else is is going to be part of this blue line. There's 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 benefits to that. The question is, you know, in terms of Kevin Korczynski, is he physically ready? Is he mentally ready? Is is there is there a reason beyond we think he can be a part of our team and help um, to to keep him on the roster? I mean, if you feel it's best for his development, then you bring him in. My lean would be to go back to Seattle. Um, he still has physical strength and development that he needs to to build up. He would be probably Canada's number one defenseman at the World Junior Championship next year. He did have a dominant season, but Seattle is going to sustain a few losses from their team from last year. And so now they have to kind of 
restart a little bit and that puts more pressure on him it's a little bit of an adverse situation it's not like they're going to be bad they're still going to be quite good they have a really good roster um and oddly enough macklin celebrini they have the rights to him too and unfortunately didn't get him for themselves uh but yeah but i the thing is with with Korchinski, as long as he's in the right position, there's really no need to rush in terms of timeline for the Blackhawks um, unless you think he's just far exceeded junior hockey. And based on what I saw last year, as good as he was, and I'm telling you, he was awesome last year. He was There was so much to like about his game. You could still see that he's still – his game needs to mature more before he can be an NHL, an every-night NHL defenseman. Um, but I do think there is some value – to being at the NHL level. Um, you know, I think the other question the Blackhawks have to ask themselves about this entire phase of this rebuild is what kind of culture are they building within the current organization and how valuable would it be to have these younger players either contribute to it or be exposed to it in some way? Um, and I think you probably won't have a good feel for that until you get through this season because you've pushed a ton aside. You've pushed a lot of guys out. You've brought a new, a lot of new guys in and you kind of need to let that take hold. And that's going to be a really critical piece of the Um, But I think as far as the Blackhawks are concerned, I think you have to go into camp giving Kevin Korchinski every opportunity to make the team, but he only makes the team if you feel he's truly ready. And if he's not, Maybe you give him the nine games. Maybe you let him play. You give him a taste of the NHL. You let him be around your team. Maybe you do what Seattle did with Shane Wright last year, and you you kind of press box him when you need to and put him on there and let him go to the World Juniors and all that stuff. I don't think that's a really great way to do it. I thought that Shane Wright should have been in junior all year last year and just building up his, his uh, confidence. But, you know, I, I think Kevin Korczynski has confidence. He's been a dominant player how much more can he learn? I guess that's the question, but I, I, you know, I think that's a decision that you can't make until training camp. Um, but you know, my lean is always more time is better than too early. So, uh, patience is, is usually the best path. Got one. We're, we're out of time. We got time. We'll, There's we'll, no one after we'll save us. It. Right? There, the question I have has plenty there of is? time to, uh, to figure it out. So, uh, All right. we'll, we'll, All save, right. it. we'll, we'll save it for the next. I was, I have, re- I was I ready actually, to solve I, I, I do have one problems. more for you, Chris. And All right, it's, sure, Jay. It's on the heels of our Mailbag Monday show. Everyone asks us how we got to be hockey fans, right? Yeah. For you, what began the process of you becoming a prospect expert? How did <laughs> like how did you how, how did you decide that career path for yourself? Because I'm curious. I I mean I don't think I really decided it. I think it just kind of happened. So. Um, it's, it's interesting. So basically my career path has been super windy to get to this point. Um, I was super lucky to get the, uh, an, an internship, the Brian Fishman internship with USA hockey. When I was just out of college, I worked for the club hockey team at Iowa state. You know, I played hockey growing up. I was a terrible JV hockey player at Mount Carmel <laughs> high school. Um, I mean, really bad, like honestly awful. And I loved, and this is the sport I love more than anything. put all my time into it. Still awful. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, worked for the club team at Iowa State, worked for, uh, got this at USA Hockey Internship. And then right after that, I went to the National Team Development Program for two years um, where I worked as their communications person. And that allowed me to be around some really amazing people and coaches. Um, you know, like John Hines was a, a head coach there when I was there, um, you know, so early in his career and just being around somebody at that level who was kind enough to let me watch video with the coaching staff and do all this other stuff and just be part of the staff. 
um, you got to see the development process. And that's probably where the wheels started turning. So I would watch, you know, when I was there, I had the, the 91 birth year, which is like Cam Fowler was the top player from that birth year. The 92s, we had like Jack Campbell and, and, and a bunch of really good defensemen. Um, and then the 93s as well, we had like JT Miller and, and uh, you know, s- some guys like that, uh, John Gibson. So, you know, to watch those guys and how they developed was really fascinating to me. Um, and then by chance, so my, I got married while I was there. My wife actually ended up um, having a job change and we moved back to Iowa where she's from. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, my career in hockey is over. That was a fun <laughs> three years. I'm done. Do I, there, so, um, but the one thing that I had was this institutional knowledge of how things worked within USA Hockey, how, how the development process works a little bit. Um, and so I was like, well, maybe I'll just start a blog and start writing about the World Junior Championship. So I started it that year, and that kind of is where it started. And, I, and then I was like, oh, this is actually fun. And then I started looking at other leagues, and I started looking at the USHL, college hockey, started expanding all that. And so basically it was it got to a point where everything beneath the NHL – I had an interest in, um, and then I kind of got off path. I, I got lucky. CBS Sports hired me to do their NHL blog, and at first it was as a draft guy, just part time. And then they changed their staff, and they're like, "Hey, you want to cover the NHL?" And I was like, "Sure." So <laughs> did that for a couple of years. Um, one of the highlights of, of my career during that process was that you know being in the building for the 2015 uh, Stanley Cup and um, you know covering that for CBS sports going on the ice after the game, um, in my hometown was, was really cool. Um, so yeah, but I mean like, so it's been that winding path and then just through a series of lucky breaks here and there, you know, you get, you get the chance to go to CBS sports, you get a chance to go to ESPN and then daily face off and now flow hockey. And, um, you know, it, it just, the, the best part about being a prospect writer is, you know, you're constantly learning and there's always new things. And the, the amazing thing is, is that, if you don't fail at this, you're you're probably a genius and you should be working for every like you should just be an NHL, you know, work for every NHL team. Mm-hmm. But when you fail, you actually you learn so much. And so you have to do things. Luckily, in my earlier in my career, I made a lot of mistakes that nobody saw. And now I make mistakes that a lot of people see. Uh, but at least I can learn from them and, and figure things out. And I think it's made me a, you know, better at this. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of how it happened. I mean, I lifelong hockey fan, you know, grew up in Chicago. My dad was on the fire department hockey team. Like, you know, we had all this great, uh, you know, this great exposure to the game and it's just always been a part of my life. And, and by sheer necessity of, and, and boredom essentially when my wife had that job change and I was like, I'm, I have no career. Um, one happened uh so it's it, you know i feel super lucky that it happened i still live in iowa i still do the job from iowa um and i yeah i mean i think it gets more fun every single year i do it so um yeah yeah i appreciate the question and yeah it's it, it, it's a weird way to do it but yeah it's that's that's how it happened hey we're glad it worked out because uh we love having you on, Chris. We love your expertise. And uh, every time we have you on, Hawks fans get very, very excited. So uh, <laughs> here's a way, f- many more conversations in the future and uh, keep things up at Flow Hockey. It's great stuff. Make sure you're following Chris at Chris M. Peters. You've been overly valuable with your time, so we're going to let you go. Thanks so much, man. We appreciate you. 
Yeah, no, no problem, guys. Always fun to do the show with you. Great to be uh, talking to my pals in Chicago. So, uh, yeah, have a good one, guys. All right, take Thanks, care, Chris. Chris. That is Chris Peters of Flow Hockey. He is the best, and he had a career change. And if you're looking for one, students just like you with full-time jobs, families, and full-time sports fandoms are going back to school. Why? They want to get a respected degree from my alma mater, Lewis University, 35 miles southwest of Chicago in Romeoville. Lewis is ranked as one of U.S. News and World Report's top-tier colleges, and they partner with numerous employers for tuition discounts and offer evening, online, and blended formats to help you balance work, family, and education. Their faculty brings real-world experience and instruction to the classroom, which will help you with your new career. They offer career support and academic resources for all students, including adult students. And if you're looking to complete your bachelor's or master's degree or enroll in a professional certificate program, Lewis has the right one for you. How about computer science as a grad program? Eight-week sessions, they can be completed in one year with concentrations in software engineering, AI, cybersecurity, digital forensics, enterprise, and cloud computing. That sounds like something that's important these days. Business analytics, finance, MBAs, project management, all sorts of stuff. And you've got several adult undergrads with accelerated degree completion programs in computer science, aviation maintenance technology certificates, business analytics, criminal justice, business programs, and tech programs. Check it out, lewisu.edu slash you can do this and discover how a degree from Lewis can help you build a better world. Yep, your future will definitely get brighter with a degree from Lewis University. And with a brighter future ahead, you're going to need a pair of awesome sunglasses. Hell yeah. Absolutely. And that is where our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather and your bright futures with their premium polarized shades that come at a very affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. I say even better. They're way too humble at the Shady Rays factory. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for all of your outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on the very first day you own them, they're going to send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. They don't care how you broke them or lost them. They're just going to replace them for you. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. And together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners throughout the United States with their Shady Rays Impact Program. They're doing everything from building play sets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS the outdoor adventure of a lifetime. Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. And if you don't love your Shady Rays, but you're going to... Just in case you don't, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop over at ShadyRays.com. And while you're shopping at ShadyRays.com, throw in at least two pairs into your shopping cart and then use the promo code CHGO at checkout and you're going to get the best deal of the season. 50% off all orders of two or more of their Polaroid sunglasses rated five stars by over 250,000 satisfied customers. That's a lot of satisfied customers. That's and time's running out. If you want to sign up for the all-CHGO, uh, I'm sorry, the CHGO Kickoff Classic Golf Tournament at Cog Hill, that's August 25th, 9 p.m., allchgo.com. Yeah. Navigate over to our events tab and join us at Cog Hill. It's going to be awesome. Your entry fee includes 18 holes with the cart, 
exclusive Pins and Aces tea gift for every player, access to our limited edition Pins and Aces and CHGO polo, whole contest giveaway, the whole giveaways, the whole deal, lunch, drinks, ceremony after the round. If you're a diehard, which you should be by now, you will save on the event. Go check it out, allchgo.com. Navigate over to that events page and click that first event there, and you'll see all the info on the CHGO Kickoff Classic as well is our CHGO Crosstown Series, which happens on the 16th at Wrigley Field. Yep. All the info right there for you, allchgo.com. Got a new Pins and Aces hat and glove in the mail. Nice. Be looking fresh for the golf outing. Can't wait for it. I get to use my Chubbs Peterson ball marker from Pins nice. and Aces when we go. <laughs> Not that nice. I'm ever going to hit the green, but it'll be fun to pretend. Don't forget the beef sleeve. I gotta bring the beef sleeve yeah, too. You gotta bring the yes. beef sleeve. I gotta disinfect the beef sleeve, but I, I will bring disinfect it. Disinfect it with more beef juice. That's <laughs> right. That's a disinfectant, right? I gotta be honest. You probably should have done that immediately. I did. But, I did. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I did. I got I my foursome set up. I'm excited. There you I, go. I got some friends joining me on the uh, Cog Hill. Tear, we're gonna tear it up. I should probably hit a golf a range before we've got. Yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. 17 days away. I need just to, wing it. You and I can compete for that last pace trophy. Yeesh. It's going to be fun. Join I us out there. think that's going to be a more hotly contested trophy than the first place <laughs> trophy. <laughs> Probably. It's going to be a tank golf outing. It's going to be an 18-way tie for last place. Exactly. All right, we'll see everybody out there. AllCHGO.com. Go to that events tab for all the info. We're back tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Uh, if you don't know, tomorrow is the Rocky Wirtz uh, Memorial Ceremony. That's at 11 at the United Center. I know the gates open at 930 if you want to go. Um, we're going to be there covering it. We will have a reaction afterwards at 2 o'clock. And then a little programming note, Thursday, we're going to be on a little bit early. We're going to be on at 1 o'clock on Thursday. So set a reminder, an hour early on Thursday. But we're back tomorrow, 2 o'clock, with full coverage of the Rocky Words Memorial Ceremony on the CHGO Blackhawks podcast.